Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of the F1 show for coverage of preseason 2010 stuff. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and a lot has happened both in F1 and otherwise since we came to you last. Um, we've had some pretty busy schedules and everything. We've done yes. some planning. We're going to have the this upcoming season of the F1 show is going to be the best ever. The best ever. Absolutely. So uh, what have you been up to since uh, since the new year? I have been traveling to the frozen north of Michigan and staying there. In an effort to... Uh, what, test cars and make sure they all work in cold weather conditions? To better the world in terms of traction control and stability control, yes, on several different vehicles, including ones that are better than others. Fair enough. Without going into too much detail. <laughs> Without breaking any kind of contracts <laughs> or laws, yeah. Nice. Well, I actually took part in the uh, 24 Hours of Dubai endurance race. Um, that sounds warmer than what I was doing. It was nice, and although, I mean, it gets cold there at night. But uh, <laughs> probably not as cold as northern Michigan. But, uh, yeah, it was actually very cool to be part of, the, uh, of a 24-hour race. I'd never never done that before. And I was just helping with some uh, video equipment and all that. But um, I am pleased to say that uh, the car um, I was involved with uh, ended up winning the class. It was a diesel class. It was a 120D race car. Uh, but it was very cool for us, even though it was the slowest class of the field. Um, obviously, a class victory is, uh, is what, Dude, you, what I, you're going for. Dude, that's fantastic. And, uh, I think that's very cool to be a part of something yeah, like that. So. Was, uh, what what was a 24-hour racing event like live, and then what, how did it differ from, say, staying up all night on your couch watching the Le Mans race? Uh, I mean, it, but, uh, the, the main thing that I guess um, that I, I noticed was uh, – we talked about this actually a while ago on the podcast, but that, that movie that Audi put out or that, I guess, you know, ESPN or whatever different yeah. Audi called uh-huh. Truth in 24, uh-huh. I mean, that really captures the essence of it. I mean, there's, you know, at the beginning, there's all this excitement, oh, and we're starting, whatever, and then it's just kind of like an hour into the race, you know, where normally in an F1 race, you'd be getting, you'd be two-thirds of the way through and kind of like getting ready for the finish and wrapping up. It just kind of settles down, and there's just kind of this like, you know, the cars are going or whatever, and you're like, all right, this is going to be a long time, and then, it, you know, it's nighttime, and there's parts of the race where you just kind of like, you, you just kind of set up, you know, you, you walk around a little bit and take inventory of what's going on, and you think, why in the heck are we having a race that's 24 hours long? <laughs> it just doesn't really make sense. Like, why? who decided this was a good idea? This is stupid. It's like, you know, 11 o'clock at night, and the race is, like, not even half over. It's just like, what the heck is going right, on? Right, sure. And then, So you know, how much of it did you end up staying awake for? I mean, I, I probably got maybe two or three hours of sleep. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean... And, it's, but they weren't keeping you busy that no, much. No, no, I mean, I, I, but it was... I, I didn't want to be ever be that far from the car, though, because, you know, as soon as they come back in... Um, I want to be ready to do what I needed to do with, you know, swapping out video cards and, and was different it, things. Was it video V-Box? Yeah. Um, oh, very was, yeah, cool. using the video V-Box. And uh, so it wasn't... Video V-Box, by the way, which is featured on a couple of videos we've done on YouTube. Yes. Um, so, check that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so that's, that's, that's my line of work. But anyway, it's very cool to just, you know, be a part of the, the car comes in for service. And, and, you know, whether it was expected or unexpected, I had to be ready for it. So it was never quite super relaxed but uh, it was it was very cool just to be a part of it though and uh, you have a whole different mindset with a 24-hour race i mean there were times we were uh you know 15 laps behind the the class leader and wow. you know it's like we've been in the service for half an hour and then and, and you can't script this stuff i mean the way it works out and then they have then they have a problem but it's during a caution so we're not getting as many laps ahead as we want right to. right right and then something else goes on i mean it's just the way it always seems to happen i mean there's so what was the car the car, it was a, a, a 120D, that little five-door oh, no BMW kidding. 1 Series. Oh, it was uh, the hatch, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, uh, the hatchback, uh, diesel powertrain, two-liter. And uh, and there, the other competition was actually a lot of 120Ds there, uh, which I wouldn't have thought of as an endurance racer, but they're it's, cool It's little really cars. a shame because I've driven, I've driven a 120D hatch, and yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And then when I heard that the 1 Series was coming to the States, 
fantastic. But That'll be Amory's next car. Yeah. <laughs> and then all they came out was with that stupid coupe and no diesels. Yeah. Although we do get the 135, which is a cool powertrain. Now, yeah, and we would probably have ended up getting the gas engine, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, on to F1. Um, we've got coverage for you of all the uh, the new cars and everything that have been launched, the, the new cars and teams that we've seen. The attractiveness uh, of these cars. As, exactly. And uh, as well as some of the results those cars have gotten so far in practice. Um, but also a discussion of something, some of the teams we have not heard yet from uh, as far as drivers and teams and cars we have not yet seen on the track. So let's get into it. Okay, so now that it is into February, most of the cars have been released. We are still waiting for dates even from uh, Campos and from USF1, and we have not seen the cars from Red Bull or Lotus but otherwise, or of course, India. India. Yeah, not quite. But otherwise, we've seen all the cars, and we've seen most of them on track. What do you think? The, the big standouts for me, um, the McLaren car is one of the more different looking. I feel like they've, they've taken an interesting interpretation of the rules and, and got a pretty interesting looking car. It's a, a big change from last year. Uh, and some of these, I mean, even comes down to, to the paint scheme and everything. I mean, the, the McLaren is, is the same basic, you know, pewter color car, really very cool looking, shiny kind of thing with their McLaren kind of reddish, orangish, uh, real bright colors. Yeah, uh, and it's a departure from the last year's car by quite a bit. I mean, it's yeah. a different looking machine. It is. Um, and as and as and, you know as, as we've talked about it, the uh, the new Renault as well um, is they've gotten rid of all the old sponsorship i mean it's, it, yep. that company's really you know changed a lot and the, the team has really changed a lot and so they've actually gone to this uh, you know yellow with black uh, livery um, a lot of teams using the shark fin you know the the direct you know vertical plane between the the you know the air intake back to the rear wing yeah um, so that's been on the Renault the McLaren and uh, I believe the Sauber. Yep. And uh, I thought I saw it on another car. But the McLaren seems to be the most pronounced. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of just interesting, you know, facets to it. I mean, you know, different different little baubles and, 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 and bumps and things. I mean, they've, that's, I think, you know, we were talking about it, it kind of looks like an Adrian Newey car. Um, yes. Even yes. though it's not. I mean, that's, that's what's interesting Which about it. Which makes me a little bit nervous. It's like, did someone try to be an Adrian Newey wannabe without maybe some of the uh, actual technical know-how behind it. So. Yeah, like, hey, let's just make everything a little bit smaller and just really, you know, it's like the, the body is just shrink-wrapped around the components underneath and there's no extra space in there anywhere. It's just really, really packaged really tightly. So which car that we've seen so far is your favorite? It's hard to say because, actually, I mean, the Ferrari, for me, um, they've gotten so much white on the car now. I mean, the, just the, the look of it, I mean, the, the, a lot of them have the nose like last year's red bull uh-huh. um with that which is a probably kind of a cool nose you know but with where the uh, uh you know kind of this this flowing uh, arc to it and it's got yeah, you know kind of the bumps in there for the uh you know for on either side of it um as you look to, to the front of it it's almost got like shoulders to it you know yeah. where the uh, suspension components come in there and then and the, there's definitely a lot more teams trending towards the excuse me the higher nose yeah but i mean the ferrari for just doesn't look as as good as it has in the past i mean there's so much white with the, the wings and everything uh-huh. um, in a couple of these photos they've got the mcclair or the the marlboro barcode thing but you know the way they've done the rear wing and all that it's it's gotten away from being you know the red car and it's so much more of a red and white and whatever so just looks wise the ferrari is just not doing it for me i mean well, these... i agree with you the the ferrari was definitely a very underwhelming uh, launch when it came out and I saw the photos and there was, you know, 15 drivers removing the the uh, cloth underneath the car. Yeah. And uh, I thought, wow, that looks plain. So I don't know. I, it, it's 
it's not a bad looking car, but I agree with you. I think the white takes away from it a little bit, and just the the design of it, the shape of it, it's very flowing. Like I'm looking at a front view of the car right now. It's flowing and it's sharp and purposeful, but it's not elegant. Yeah. So I, I agree with you there. However, I did ask you what your favorite car was, not what your favorite car wasn't. Okay. Um, and I, I think I, I, I may get made fun of for this, but um, and okay. Also, you know, we gotta we gotta reiterate we haven't yet seen the Lotus. I mean, and I think a lot of people are waiting to see the Lotus. If they use one of the classic paint schemes, you know, it could be a really cool could looking be cool. car. Yeah, sure. Um, I actually like the Mercedes car. A lot of really? people, a lot of people don't because it's kind of like a lot of gray and there's these weird bits of turquoise, whatever. But there's something about it where um, it just it has a, it has a style to it. I mean, I like the McLaren car as well, and now that certainly that's you know they want to both be kind of McLaren or, or Mercedes Silver Arrows, and there's all kind of the uh-huh. you know uh-huh. rivalry going there. But it just I guess it's it's understated. Um, it's not too flashy about it because it's kind of these different shades of gray. But I think the little the little bits of turquoise on there it just it looks distinctive without looking cheesy. I guess to me and. The- uh, Okay, so I, I don't wholly disagree with you, and uh, it's interesting. I'm noticing real quick the, the the cars do look quite a bit different with the narrower front tires. Yeah, that's that's a distinguishing feature that's yeah more different than I thought it'd be. But anyway, the the, the problem I have with the Mercedes is that it's just got this incre- extremely clunky front wing, especially if you look at it head on. It just looks. Yeah, busy. Also, where the Mercedes breaks down is the air intake. It's just a, a strange treatment to uh, how they've kind of plumbed that in and, and the way that fits together. It's not as well integrated into the, uh, the the roll hoop as some of these are. So that that looks a little bit weird. But just I guess overall, kind of style wise and whatever. Um, and I, I personally, yeah, I mean, we're not talking about how well do we think these cars are going to look. Just what's pleasing to the yeah. eye. Yeah, and. I mean, I personally don't like the the Virgin car. Um, I, I I like black and red in, in general, and there's some cars that uh, can really pull that off. But I feel like that was the kind of I don't know if it was a committee that came up with that, but like, oh, this part's red and this part's black, and this is where the sponsor logos are going to go, and that's that. There wasn't really anyone overseeing the whole like, how is this going to look and how is this going to fit together? And I feel like a lot of the you know the the more experienced teams have have those kind of people. And the Virgin car, it's not bad, but there's really nothing good about it to me. To uh, you know, just kind of the, the feel of it and uh, and the way it looks. But hey, I mean, that ultimately how they look isn't really what matters nearly as much as uh, as how they perform. But um, well, the uh, the paint scheme on the Virgin car doesn't offend me. Yeah, like like it does you. But what I I do not like um, just the shape of it. To me, it just looks looks like it could use some work in a wind tunnel. To be totally honest, and um, <laughs> it will be very interesting to see how that car goes. Um, they definitely seem to be the most prepared. Of the new runners, mm-hmm. and I'm happy for them and excited for them for that. And I definitely, you can definitely see some of that, like Richard Branson flair being put into their marketing, like the way the drivers were launched. You know, you know, they're not wearing suits or racing suits or anything; they're wearing wet leather jackets and stuff like that. And there's some like nice flair and and spunk added to the team, and some interesting marketing going on with Richard Branson. But I think I agree with you that they definitely failed. A little bit with a car because a Formula One car is supposed to just be like a completely religious experience when you see it, right? And it just it, it just isn't for me in that car, and it just it looks like it's got a really just high nose, and it just gets kind of pointy in the front. I mean, yeah, and it's, it's kind of like it's just got planks and straight lines everywhere, and it's just a little bit like I don't you know actually from the angle I'm looking at, it looks kind of like an Indy car. Yeah. The no, way the nose yeah, sticks out saying. past yeah, Obviously, the, the wings are different, but yeah, yeah I, I see what you're saying as far as the, just kind of the shape of it, the, the front end of it and all that. So it's just, it just I mean, uh, underwhelming overall. Indeed. So I think to uh, 
answer the question you didn't ask. Uh, my favorite car. Yeah, what is your favorite car, Robin? It's, it's the Williams. Really? I just think it's pretty. It's just, to me, it's just this really beautiful, elegant, flowing, simple car. I just love the way it looks. Yeah. Love it. I, especially from the side profile. It just has this, like, really, uh, I don't know, just fast shape to it, I guess. And I really like the way the nose looks. It's wide and high. And there's not, like, a bunch of, like, extra weird curves in the car. It really just, the whole body shape seems to work together as one piece as opposed to a bunch of little, like, you know, shapes and curves and shoulders in the body to try to move air around. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's going to be its downfall. But in terms of looks, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, although I think the McLaren has, you know, it's got all these weird little bits and bobs to it, but that all kind of it comes together. I mean, it's all, I think, the way it's painted and the way they uh, they manage all that stuff, I think, looks you know, looks well together. And, and I guess maybe, maybe partially because it's, it's out of the same sponsors we're used to seeing, and it's just kind of a more familiar look mm-hmm. with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you got Mobile One, you got Johnny Walker, you got all the usual stuff on there. And, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, and it, you know, just looking at that car, I mean, they, it does look you know, longer. And I was, I was curious, you know, thinking about this in the off season too, with the, you know, having the fuel tanks be big enough to hold a full race's worth of fuel. Yes. Is that going to be big enough that we're going to notice a difference in the car? You know, I was kind of figuring there's, doesn't you know, seem to be, I, I like mean, cause the curves, fuel, the fuel is right behind the driver. Yeah. And so, it's, it's right in the middle. And, and like when they added curves, you know, you kind of wonder like there's these like little kind of bits uh, on the front wing. You can kind of, Oh, there's, there's this little extra piece in there for the front wing element. And when they had, you know, the battery pack for curves, it's like, you can't see any of that stuff. It doesn't make a big enough difference to really, you know, Oh, that, that's definitely a curves car. I can tell by looking at it. Right. Um, right. But you know, there's the, uh, it does seem like the longer wheelbase is the, is the way to go for uh, the current setup and the, the shark fins. I mean, they do change the look of, of, you know, just the profile of the race car that, you know, yeah, it's sort of the classic sure, F1 sure. profile, which of course was upset by the, the, the new wings, you know, being all up high for two, for 2009. And, um, and I still, to this day, think the, uh, rear wings look goofy. If you have a head on, they just look the high head on shot and is weird. The worst. Yeah, yeah. It's just bizarre looking. Now I'm looking at a side profile of the McLaren right now that from the side, it looks bizarre. Yeah. But, it, uh, it's an interesting little, uh, interesting little car. Yes. <laughs> all right. But uh, let's let's move on to uh, the the next setup is actually the the you know we've got a couple of practice sessions down. There've been some some test days, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. curiously enough, um, for a couple of guys, they've, they've had drivers that have done several Grand Prix uh, but never done a test before. Alguersuari uh, <laughs> and these guys. So it's you know welcome to F one, right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, so you know we've we've got some tests, and we've got some numbers, and you know everyone says you don't want to read too much into the numbers and all that. But that's um, not fun. Let's read. Let's read into them. <laughs> um, I mean, so. The one question a lot of people have been waiting to find out is kind of how fast is Schumacher back in the car? I mean, he's he's old now, but is he is he quick? Is he good? Well, he's faster than Rosberg. I mean, he was his best time was on day three, and he had a twelve four, and the best that uh, uh, Rosberg could sum it up from the car was a was a twelve nine. Yeah, so that's half a second. Now, of course. Yada yada yada. We Long don't know who runs, is fuel, fuel. Yeah. Blah blah blah. What tires were? Okay, we we know all that, but I we don't care. Schumacher <laughs> was half a second faster than Rosberg, and he's forty one. He hasn't been in uh, racing in three years. Yeah, this guy. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Everyone knew that he's a robot, and that he's extremely impressive. And sure enough, he's extremely impressive. I'm I'm certain that he's going to get the maximum out of that car. 
from day one. None of this, oh, he needs a few races to get settled in again. I, I really don't think so. Yeah. I the, bet he'll be there. And and so, I mean, we've seen uh, Alonso up at the top of the, sco- uh, of the boards. Well, and Ferrari at yeah. the top. Um, you know, uh, Pedro de la Rosa and the Sauber, um, actually up ahead of, uh, of Schumacher in some of these tests, uh, Algo Suari in the STR five. I mean, that's, that's good for him. And even, you but know, hold on now. Yeah. Who's ahead of Pedro de la Rosa? Kobayashi also in the Sauber. Kobayashi has a 1205 and the best de la Rosa could do is a 1209. There you go. I this, mean, this, we, we this, like Kobayashi. We he's, like Kobayashi He's, he's the new Takuma Sato for us. Two races in with Toyota, he performed very, very well in both events. He was aggressive. He was fast. He was in control of the car. And uh, here he is. He got the Sauber seat. And he's Sauber. It's the second fastest car in the first week of testing at Valencia. And he's faster than De La Rosa. Impressive. I'm, I, excuse me, I'm excited to see him. Yeah, indeed. And and I am too. I mean, I think it's it's... One of those guys would be a shame if he didn't get a drive, and I'm glad to see that he did. And, you know, just to, to get out there and, and do well with it. Um, but the other thing that's impressive to me is the number of laps these guys are running and sometimes untested cars. I mean, all these brand-new cars to get up here. And some of these, you know, like over 100 laps, you know, 60, 70, 80 laps. Massa in two days ran 226 laps. I know. I mean, that <laughs> that is, I guess, the real success of, you know, of, of cost savings, if, if they're, you know, to, to be said. It's like... Um, to get these cars this close to workable, raceable condition um, without any testing, and then to be able to get on the, on track in a couple of days and get this many laps run um, is, I think, really a, a big win because uh, I think, you know, years ago it would be a lot more send it out for a couple laps. Oh, we got to bring it in and we got to change a lot on it. We got to do a lot of work on it or reliability issues or whatever. So um, that, I think, is, is very cool to see that uh, all these guys are, in, in general, having good success with, uh, with the, the little on-track testing that they have. Absolutely. So... So far, the only team to get into the 11s to be under 72 seconds at Valencia is Ferrari. So, you know, both Jim and I commented that's not the prettiest looking car. But so far, it's uh, getting the job done. Uh, the second fastest car is uh, the Sauber, which it'll be very interesting to see because that is still, you know, largely BMW influence on the design of this 2010 car. Mm-hmm. And uh, be very interesting to see how that well that car goes. The third fastest car is the McLaren, and then Renault, and then the Mercedes shows up um, with Michael Schumacher piloting the car as the fifth fastest team. Toro Rosso shows up as the sixth fastest, and then Williams is the seventh fastest team. Yeah. And, it, I mean, this is one of those seasons that uh, it's going to take a little bit of getting used to for me where the the Sauber is still called BMW Sauber just because of uh, some naming yeah, restrictions some, right, and all that. Exactly. Um, you know, and then, and then you know, even when, like, when BMW and Williams split up, but then they still had blue and white cars and then, you know, the drivers and whatever, it was just like uh, it took a while to sort of get used to, okay, the Williams. Jim is, needed two good seasons to get that sorted know, out. and now I got that figured out. And now out. you got this this one throwing another curveball at you. And that was the question I had, just what engines are Sauber going to have? Are they going to be Ferrari They're engines Ferraris, again? yeah, that's the thing. And so it's, okay. it's, it's weird that there's a car that's with a Ferrari engine with called, called a BMW Sauber. BMW Sauber, <laughs> and it's BMW design, and it was just BMW, and now it's Sauber. I mean, this... Ah, yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's where these guys sit. But, it, I mean, what about the, the question marks we still have? I mean, there's still um, some noticeable people we haven't seen on track yet. Um, well, I think for us, we have to talk about USF1 we, first. We do. Um, they USF1. Have... So what does that mean exactly? Because 
It's owned, it's co-owned by an Australian mm-hmm. with an Argentine driver and possibly a Spaniard driving the second car. Yeah, since since we've uh, last uh, updated you guys, obviously uh, Jose Maria Lopez uh, has that that deal that was uh, rumored before is finally done. Um, he's you know like I say from Argentina um, will be driving apparently the the the, the first car at that team. Um, and I mean, okay, Peter Windsor said from the from the go get that. Um, it may not be uh, American drivers right from the start. You know, they they want to do that eventually, but they understand, you know, that's not necessarily from the start. And the second drive um, is not yet, you know, not yet announced. They haven't really said who's going to be. I mean, yeah, there's there's right. there's but rumors. All this way the that, rumors, but, all the rumors that have been circling around, not one of them have been Ameri- an American driver. Yeah, not not any of the credible rumors. Fair enough. So but, our purpose, our point is, is like, yeah, okay, so you can't have two American. Drivers in the car, we understand that. But one would have been nice. Or at least if we could stick to this, you know, continent area. Like at least someone from the Americas. But no, we can't even get that. Argentina is a South America. Well, I know. So Argentina. But if the other guy's from Spain, Spain, then what do we got? Yeah. So, and, you know, we understand uh, completely that this is a brand new team. They don't have a billionaire backing it, you know, at some level. So... A driver that comes with money is important. America still is the biggest economy in the world. It seems a little bit far-fetched to me they can't find one American with some decent credentials that can get some money behind him. I don't buy that. Yeah. I just don't. Although, um, I, I guess, you know, I want to see him get out there and do well. And I guess the main thing is that they're on the grid and that they have their team put together. And especially if they come out and have some good results, then that sort of... I mean, the the mission of bringing Americans in, I think, is um, is second to the mission of just being a successful oh, F1 and existing. team. And, sure. Yeah, and having that. So um, I hope that if they come out and, and you know, have, um, you know, a big disparity in drivers or something that they can, you know, they're sort of young and nimble enough. And that's kind of their whole approach is to learn from that and move quickly and, and you know, react quickly. And uh, either whether it's replacing drivers, whether it's uh, whatever it takes. Um, so I just want to, you know, make sure that they get kind of on the grid and whatever. And it's still uh, a bit worrying that, you know, they haven't, um, you know, they haven't announced the second driver. Um, and when do they do on track for... Um, well, I, they I, originally were talking about early early February, they were going to go to Barber Motorsports Park, which yeah. is a racetrack that I've actually competed on in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And it was built by a guy who had a whole bunch of money and loves motorcycles. And his goal was to have a MotoGP race there. And yeah. I don't know if he's been successful or not. But it's a two-and-a-half-mile, fairly tight, um, beautiful racetrack in the hills of Birmingham. And it, it's a very beautiful place. There's a nice car museum there. There's also um, metal sculptures of ants and other various things that are strewn about, which... Very crucial for an F1 car. Yeah, it's also sure. good for something. And uh, so it's a, it's a nice flowing track. It's not terribly fast. And... Uh, so they were first originally scheduled to be there early to mid-February. And, yeah, by the way, it's Birmingham, Alabama, not Birmingham, Leicestershire, okay. yeah. wherever it is. Uh, Northamptonshire. Northamptonshire. Yeah. There's a sure in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, now they're saying, well, we'll be at Barber Motorsports Park late, mid-late February. So that's been pushed back a little bit. And if they end up being there towards the end of February, in two weeks' time, they have to be in the Middle East – ready for the green flag at Bahrain. So that's a little bit scary, but I still have faith that they're going to make it and everything else. Uh, so hopefully that'll be fine. Uh, the other team, though, that hasn't released anything yet, which I think is a little fascinating to talk about, is Red Bull. 
Um, they said on purpose that we're, we would much rather give our designers an extra two weeks to design the car as opposed to test it earlier, which is a surprising – It's an interesting um, approach, you know, strategy. Yeah. You know. I mean there's certainly something to be said for all the design work that goes into it and, uh, and you know, even – uh, with the, the Virgin car, you know, that's their big thing was, oh, it's a digital car and it's all designed by computers and we don't need wind tunnel testing and all that. But I feel like, you know, Formula One being the state of the art in engineering for as long as it has been, even before money was as tight as it is now. Yes. If it were really the case that you didn't need a wind tunnel, these guys would have found ways to use more computers and get away from wind tunnels. I mean, there is still a lot, uh, so much in, you know, with CFD has obviously gotten a lot better and all that with, yes. you know, with faking wind tunnels and, and, and faking air movement and all that. But there's still, you know, these things that need to happen that just on track that you, whether you don't think about them, whether your simulations aren't quite accurate or whatever, um, seems like that's still really, really valuable, especially well, with the limited testing. You can get an F1. And five, ten years from now, as it continues to improve and continues to, you know, have, you have more processing power, you can have more realistic models and things like that, and the costs come down for that. I mean, compared to a wind tunnel, it might already be a lot cheaper. However, I, I, I just don't think it's quite there. Yeah. And Virgin probably knows that, but it was a cost issue and a decision there. So it would be interesting to see. I mean, they are a fascinating experiment. But, I mean, and Red Bull, too, I mean, is, you know, certainly as, as much as, you know, one can guess from the, you know, before the season has even started, I mean, they're certainly in the running for a, you know, competitive top team, possible championship, or whatever. I mean, it seems like. Uh, if, if even you don't have the final version of the car, if you're still working on a couple of parts or still yeah. working on some things, you know, getting a car on track, getting some laps on it, um, just learning the, you know, what's different about it from the old car and all that uh, for the whole team seems like it would be valuable. But I guess, you know, these yeah. guys, they're, you know. Well, it speaks to their confidence in the reliability of the car, doesn't it? You know, it's it like, well, well, we'll get a couple laps in before we start. But, you know, right. that's all we need. Okay. But speaking of people we haven't heard of, what about Campos Grand Prix at this point? Well, the, the they might be a stillborn at this point. Uh, there is a new game in town called Stefan GP, who has uh, a, it's a team that has another billionaire attached to it, who bought all the technical um, property of Toyota mm -hmm. and have put together and are running a uh, uh, a car. They have the they have the 2010 car built. They've been testing it, and they've got uh, Kazuki Nakajima, uh, Kazuki Nakajima, excuse me, um, as a driver. And I think Ralph, Ralph Schumacher is also attached to the team. I don't know exactly what his role is, but uh, so Campos is in financial trouble. There was talk of the uh, A1 GP uh, creator Tony Texera. Texera. Yeah. Uh, coming in as a financial backer, and there's still interest there. But there's also been talks that Stefan GP has already bought the grid rights that Campos has. And apparently Bernie Ecclestone is starting to support the Stefan GP movement. So Campos might not even make it in the first place, and we might have a different group of people, which would essentially be the technology side of Toyota making it for 2010. Which makes sense. I mean, as far rather than starting fresh from it as a brand new company and then all this all this knowledge and equipment and all the, you know, the designs and everything that Toyota had built going to waste. Um, and, I mean, driver-wise, Campos announced that Bruno Senna would be their second driver. Curiously, you know, usually when you announce the one guy, you don't really say, oh, we're going to have somebody better than him, you know, well, whatever. Well, I mean, they did that with Rosberg, poor well, guy. But, sure. But that's not how Rosberg saw it. But, you know, yeah. Hey. Um, but... You know, and, and so they it's supposedly one of the cars using Cosworth power. You know, we haven't seen a car. There haven't been a whole lot of updates and whatever. You know, they all these teams, I mean, USF1 as well, is saying, oh, no, we're working very hard. We're getting close. But 
of course, that's what they would say. And how yes. hard is it to put out a press release yes. that says we're working very hard and we want to be on the grid about rain? Right. As opposed to we're working really hard, but it's really not likely. Yeah. It's like, hey. We're mostly just spinning our wheel, wheels here, you know. Yeah. It's like, so sorry, everyone that's working for us. This is maybe we're not going to be on the grid at all. Sorry. I mean, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're still obviously a, a couple weeks away from kind of like if Stefan Grand Prix is going to be, uh, you know, in the you know on the grid and. I mean, what is it now? Just like a month away? Yeah, I mean, thirty-four it's days. Thirty-four days. I think, um, yeah. Then it's kind of do or die time. I feel like it's it's getting awfully close to. Whoa! Holy crap! I'm sorry. I'm interrupting, and I'm totally throwing us off our game here. But there is a picture on the homepage of FormulaOne.com of Kamui Koi Bukovihashi that you have to see. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, no. That is a happy, happy man. That is. That looks like a wax figure of a Batman villain. A little bit, a little bit. And you notice on the, so it's that he's got the BMW Sauber F1 jacket and where yes. it like used to be the BMW logo is now just an S. It's like covered yes. up the BMW because they're like, <laughs> we have to have the name on there, but we really don't want to have wow. the BMW logo right on our jackets. Yeah. So, okay. I, the reason I went to Formula1.com, 32 days, seven hours, nine minutes and two seconds. Until practice. Until yeah. practice. 34, 34 days, days to the race. Sure. Coming up, getting tight. It is. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Stefan, come on, guys. Get it together. Or Not ste- well, it's well, Stefan. Steph- I mean, so, if, if you're so going to do it, yeah. Just a little history if you guys haven't been following. Stefan GP bought the rights, what, last December or something like that. And they've been building and going and building up a team and building the cars as if they were going to be on the grid without that grid spot. And they're saying, we're counting on either Bernie to hook us up with another slot or one of the other new teams to fail. And it quickly, you know, Manor being uh, bought out by, uh, by Virgin, Virgin yeah. and uh, getting the support, they're obviously moving along just fine. The two big question marks were uh, USF1 and Campos. Well, Campos is really coming up as being in pretty serious financial trouble. And uh, it could, I would say it's a 50 50 chance that it's going to be Stefan and not Campos yeah. on the grid in Bahrain. So. Very interesting. All right. And one final note to wrap that up. On the Sauber, are those or are those not slot car wheels they have on the car? Where? I mean, for the launch, if you look up the Sauber, which, first of all, that doesn't have any sponsors on it, so it looks like paint scheme-wise or whatever. It's just like black and white and very, very simple. But the first thing I saw when I looked at the car from the side profile, it looks like a slot car. It looks like a, like a model uh, F1 car that would have these little slot car wheels on it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know? I see that. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they're uh, not a very attractive car either. By the way, I, I again, maybe ugly is the way to go this year because it's definitely working for. It's definitely working for Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, Ferrari's got so. the ugly but fast. Yeah, ugly in, fast out. Maybe is how they how they roll. <laughs> oh dear. All right, but you've heard enough from us. It's time for listener feedback. Ah, yes, listener feedback. And even though it's been the off-season, you guys have been fantastic. We are up to 481 fans on the Facebook page. Booyah! Yeah, that is so cool. I mean, even with uh, Robin and I have had limited time to uh, to do you know these episodes and all that and getting together and doing a lot of planning and everything, yeah. um, I love that you guys are helping keep the community going and keep the conversation going. So Yeah, um, Jim, and, Jim and I have been pretty busy. I've been in the Arctic Circle pretty much since uh, the New Year's, and Jim has flown all over the world 30 times. A little bit. Kind of feels like it. Um, but 
anyway, yeah. So if you if you're not a part of that conversation, go to facebook.com slash f one show, or you can go right to our website f one show dot com slash interact, and there's there's links to it there. But um, if you're if you're into f one and want to have um, some occasional news and discussion coming up in your Facebook feed, it's uh, it's a great way to go. And uh, you know we've got people from all over the world taking part in that and posting links and everything. And, and Rob and I pop in there to uh, to comment on things. So that's that's oh, been great. Oh, oh, we pop. So oh, yeah, yes. special thanks to uh, Peter Oliver, Paul Peard. Uh, they've been really active, uh, giving us lots of links, a lot of insightful feedback, that kind of stuff. Daniel Jewell and um, some uh, other guys. But there's one guy in particular that we want to give a, a special thank you to, and his name is Mark Donahy. I think that was what we agreed on as a pronunciation. It's uh, D-O-N-A-G-H-Y. Close enough. Close Donahue, enough. Donahue, Donahue, something, yeah. Anyway, he, uh, he posted a little YouTube video for us called F1 Superwomen, and I think just watch it just go go to the facebook page scroll halfway down it's it's F1 pretty hilarious it, just watch it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we just we just ran through it about uh 10 seconds ago and uh yeah pretty much cracking up at about all of them yeah and it's funny how some of the drivers uh, it's, it's kind of hard to recognize whatever and there's some that you know as soon as you see that face you're like oh that's oh my definitely gosh. ruben's back <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, guess what? Not much better yeah. looking as a woman. So there's there's some uh, you know a lot, there's just some serious uh, insight and conversation, and there's certainly some fun stuff. So I just want to thank all our fans again for uh, oh it's checking tremendous. us out on Facebook. It's absolutely wonderful. Also, if you're not already following us on Twitter, we are at the F1 Show, and uh, I try to post interesting things from time to time. And uh, you know what we post on Facebook shows up there, but we've got some some good conversations going on there as well. And when time allows that we can tweet during the race, uh, you know we'll we'll have some uh, some live uh, updates and stuff during the race. And oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's fun stuff. So um, just go to f1show.com slash interact, and you can actually uh, comment right on the shows directly on the page uh, or visit us on Twitter and Facebook and all that. And uh, if you still don't know why your computer isn't giving you your tab when you hit the tab key, then you can send us an email at feedback at f1show.com. That's probably most appropriate for yes. you. And if you've got any stuff, if you want to try to unseat Brendan Cronk as our most favoritest, bestest fan ever, you can try sending tough. us stuff. It's going to be tough. I mean, Brendan's amazing, i got to say. He is quite amazing. But, uh, you know, then uh, contact us through one of those means if you've got, uh, you know, pieces of F1 cars or something you want to send us because uh, basically Brendan is amazing and our, be- and our most favorite fan right I'm now. sorry. Signed pieces of F1 cars by somebody. <laughs> we, don't know, <laughs> we don't know who exactly. But that's not the important part. Somebody signed it. We like it. And that's pretty much great. Even if it's signed by Brendan, that's pretty great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Brendan, if that's your signature, dude, great signature. That's great. Anyway, um, you know, a lot of new stuff to come. We're going to have, uh, obviously, shows as soon as the season starts up again. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I don't know if we're going to try to sneak one more pre-show in there or not. Maybe. I mean, if something amazing happens with USF1 or something, perhaps, but... If we get to go tour the factory at USF1 yeah. and uh, have some exclusive access or something like that, that would be great. Um, as likely as ever, though, I think you're going to hear from us mid-March-ish. Yes, and uh, again, until then, uh, please you know keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter and everything, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, you guys will hear from us in a while. Until uh, then, I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. See ya!